father, what is it? It's an Adams. Why not? The movie podcast and the nerds who haunted themselves. I'm Stuart Moraine. In each episode, I'm joined by a guest to talk about a movie they love and see where the conversation takes us from there. If you're a regular listener, thank you and welcome back to the show. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome to the show and thank you for giving us a listen. I hope you enjoyed the film talk and, as always, and if you feel like doing so, you can keep the conversation going in the comments on our socials, in the And Why Not group on Facebook, or wherever you see this episode posted. For this episode, I'm joined by Lois and Clark, and always hold on to DC's Legends of Tomorrow host, Matt Truax, as we discuss the 1993 Barry Sonnenfeld sequel, Adam's Family Values. And now, with an advance warning for spoilers and all that introduction stuff out of the way, let's roll the trailer. Gomez. Caramia. Marvellous news. I'm going to have a baby. Right now. Are you in unbearable pain? My darling, is it torture? We. Oui. It's a boy. It's a girl. Gomez! What news? Father, what is it? It's an Adams. Do you think we love the baby more than we love you? Yes. Children, what are you doing in there? Playing. These Adams men, where do you find them? It has to be damp. We're not shy. We're contagious. I think their whole family's like some weird medical experiment. Are we late? One house, three children. So many windows. You still desire me after all these years? Forever. Our whole family, together at last. Hello, Matt. How are you? I am good, Stuart. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I am ticking on. I'm. We will drop the uh, myth of the curtain. I'm sat here in my hey Ducky pajamas and my Superman dressing. <laughs> I'm so sorry to make you do that. Like, no, I'm no, happy no, to do this on a weekend a day too, if that's easier for you know. Like, I'll do early morning. You can do you know in the afternoon. Like, that's fine. Yeah, no, we can maybe sort something out. It's easier because with the weekends, obviously, you've got the kids and that. So sure, sure, sure. I, I well, try. I, I try and keep weekends as free as possible. For I, I don't um, take it lightly that you that you make the time to do this. So thank you very much. No, no. Again, it's fine. I always plan them in my week off, so it doesn't matter so much. I can uh, <laughs> stay up late, as it were, or get up early, whichever way around it works out. Me. <laughs> yeah, we're, you're pulling Adam's hours today. It's exactly. Good. Exactly. Yeah, keeping so, on theme. <laughs> but to be fair, if I tried to sleep, I wouldn't have anyway. So it all works out. <laughs> sat up all night with you're working on comics or whatever so. i understand or editing ed for episodes well, all the I, things yeah. that you think i'll quickly do before i go to bed and then you before you realize it's three o'clock in the morning anything like that anything creative like that i can't do right before bed because it just turns on some part of my brain that yeah. doesn't allow sleep so i know if i'm if i'm drawing if i'm writing if i'm editing or whatever like it's got to stop at least like an hour before i'd like to you know possibly be asleep 
That's it. And then just as you're drifting off to sleep a couple of hours later, you get that flash of genius moment. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, fuck. Why did I write it like that? It should be this. Yeah. <laughs> but Us tortured yeah. artists. That's it. <laughs> Bring it on ourselves. We've got no one else yeah, to blame. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but still. But yeah. How's things with you anyway? Uh, how's... Things are good. Things are, uh, you know. Um, uh, a, a couple of things have gone down since we last spoke. Yeah. Ended one show, started another, got kind of married. So life <laughs> life is good. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, uh, podcast wise, uh, always hold on to DC's Legends of Tomorrow is up and running. We, we've taken the Wave Rider out on a couple of missions by the time this comes out. So, uh, so life is good. Yeah, it'll be a few episodes in when this comes out. It's I've, I really, I've listened to the pilot one. I listened to the introduction one you did with uh, Zach. With Zach, yeah, the I, Podfather I, himself. I, I'm guessing he was like, "Well, I'm going to be on the first one if you're going to do the uh, always holding on to Brandon." So. Yeah, he's he's kind of made that a thing where where any of his little spinoff shows he'll be on the first one, and then we'll, like I I think he'd be the first to admit that that Legends of Tomorrow is the Arrowverse show he knows the least about, but we'll find a reason to bring him back in, whether a crossover or you know something crazy where we just want to <laughs> be like what I used to do on my old show of just like, can you fucking believe this is what happened? You know? <laughs> that is like the show for that. Can you believe they fucking did that? I love it. That's why I love it so much. It's the best. It's, it's um, but weird, weird carryover from like my podcast and, and geek life to this uh, movie that we're talking about today. A couple months ago, I saw Terry Hatcher as Morticia in the god-awful Adams Family musical. So that was a weird moment of like two two great tastes that usually taste great together for me, but this this isn't this isn't working out very well. I didn't even know they'd done an Adams Family musical. Yes, yeah. I saw the I mean the original on Broadway years ago with um Bibi Nurith and uh Nathan Lane. Um it's it's complete garbage. It's really not not good, unfortunately. Oh, it does a lot of it goes against the story formula that I think both of these Sonnenfeld movies, but this one in particular, does so well. Yeah, that it's just like you like don't. It's not like a hard and fast rule, but for fuck's sake, like it's right there. Follow that formula, and you'll be fine. You know. Yeah. Anyway, just well, yeah. showing some cards there. <laughs> Well, and, and Nathan Lane's also a nice connection back to this movie as well. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. obviously, anybody who looked at the title of this episode knows we're talking about Adam's Family Values, but uh, in case people are like, huh, what are they talking about? Uh, <laughs> so, a little bit of info about the film. So, directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, back again for another Barry Sonnenfeld episode. I didn't even mean to do that, by no, the way, that's... when you asked me. Like... <laughs> I'm assuming it's Get Shorty next. Oh no! I think this is. I think this. Uh, maybe we'll do the pushing daisies pilot. How about that? Oh, I love pushing daisies. This uh, pushing daisies is magic. So is Schmigadoon. I've still not got around to watching it yet. There's so many TV shows. I, can, I don't think into... most people have, but it's worth your time. Yeah, I'm back more into watching movies at the minute, mm. uh, or rewatching. I should watch um, that one because I'm trying to get back into you know happier TV programs. <laughs> Yeah, oh, we're, we're at mental health. Well, people are like, "You watching The Last of Us?" Like, I cannot be dealing with anything no. like that at the minute. I, I mean, I'm stuff. I'm enjoying Last of Us, but it's one of those things where, like, I watch horror movies at like seven o'clock in the morning with cereal. You know, like that's yeah. that's Last of Us for me. Yeah, no, I've just at the moment I've just got to be in the right mood for that. And at the moment, I'm just like, you know, I'm going to watch some light comedy stuff or yep, <laughs> some <Somewhat> fun, <laughs> maybe Community for the fourth time in a row. You know, yeah, that's yeah, that's it. But 
Um, so yeah, directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, uh, written by Paul Rudnick, and that's fine. Based on characters created by Charles Adams, uh, starring Angelica Houston, Raul Julia, uh, Christopher Lloyd, Joan Cusack, Christina Ritchie, and Carol Kane. Um, released in cinemas on the 19th of November 1993 in the US and the 10th of December 1993 in the UK, mm. so we didn't have to wait that long for it. Um, grossed $48,919,043 worldwide on an estimated budget of $47 million. So mm. didn't make a huge profit. That's just like, that sounds anemic compared I, to like current I, day, doesn't it? I'm surprised it cost $47 million. I'm wondering whether IMDb got that wrong. <laughs> not, not that it doesn't look you, like a $47 million I was going to say, you movie, think it should cost less? It just sort of for that time period, I would have put it more around maybe the twenty million because there's no mm. massive stars in it. Nothing against no, any of the cast, but they're not. But I, but maybe it's that sequel paycheck yeah, bump you too. Can, yeah, you, you can see uh, where money was spent, but because uh, as as the as the Tim Curry movie, not to call it, not to blame it on him, believe me, but as the as the Adams Family reunion movie will show you, like it takes the talent of this cast to kind of pull this off. You know, and they also shows you how they can do it cheaper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and make it look cheaper. Yeah, if you want to do this for seven million, we can do it. It's just now, yeah. <laughs> I'm not even convinced that movie was seven million. <laughs> yeah, well, fair. <laughs> Unless six went to Tim Curry, which you know, rightly so. Um, Roger Ebert gave the film three stars out of four, saying it's a rare sequel that is better than its original, uh, mm. and yet Adam's Family Value qualifies. Nothing much seems to have changed. The stars are all about are about the same. The director is still Barry Sonnenfeld. The Adams Mansion still towers above the um, blasted heath, above a blasted heath. Sorry, next to a graveyard. Maybe I liked it more because uh, than the original because I was in a different mood. Perhaps knowing I was going to see uh, Twee Little Macaulay Culkin in the Nutcracker. Remember that? Uh, right, right after seeing this film, I was in the mood for Macaulay uh, for Macaulay bad taste. Or perhaps the screenplay by Paul Ruddick contains more invention than the 1991 effort. Adam's family values involves not one but three subplots, all of them funny, <laughs> and all of them uh, about the birth of a new baby boy, the source of one uh, one of the greatest sight gags in uh, one great sight gag after another. Um, as seems to be the norm, I couldn't find a Barry Norman review, but Angie Arrigo gave the film three stars out of five in Empire magazine. So this one was generally well received, and I think yeah. it is widely considered to be better than the original, even though it doesn't have an MC Hammer tie-in song. <laughs> no, it's got some rap at the end. Has, I totally yeah. forgot about. But, uh, yeah, not not that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's like when feet to the fire when uh, asked to to come up with another movie for this podcast. This was up there and a few others, but like this is this is a movie franchise where the two of them are pretty equal for me, but. Really, for Joan Joan Cusack's performance, this yeah. one kind of has to take the cake, you know? Yeah, I always remember when I was younger, I liked the first Adam's Family. I always liked this one better. Um, but I remember there being so much more hype for the first one. Like I say, obviously, you had the mm, MC Hammer interesting. tie-in song, so that was everywhere. This was the height of MC Hammer. I think by 1993, he'd largely dropped off. And I'd ha- I'd have to put the the notes together, but like I think that that movie came out at the height of those like TV sixties TV remake movies coming out too, with like you know Hillbillies and Brady Bunch and like that type of thing. Yeah, yeah, because I know in this country, about six o'clock, I think it was on BBC Two, they started reshowing the old Adams Family TV series. 
Mm. Back in the days when they used to chuck on the old TV series because they knew a movie was coming out, so they knew they'd get an audience. Yep, absolutely. You, you don't seem to get that anymore. Again, possibly on it's the on streaming. Nowhere. Although, though, I did that notice that at least here in the US, um, the two Seinfeld movies are on Netflix right now, which seems like a good move given they just did Wednesday, the, you know, yeah, the, the series. Well, and I'm like that. That makes sense to me that they might pay up to have those that, that was the first place the i looked from but they're on paramount plus over here oh okay so um because i thought i owned it but i must have either lost the dvds in that way that you seem to lose dvds every time you move house or something yeah, yeah. one goes missing but <laughs> but yeah all right and so what are your memories of first seeing the film was it a cinema job or no like so this is a weird one for me where like as a kid i didn't vibe with it i don't know if i saw this one or the first one but it was just like i saw this in a bit of the 90s cartoon uh, i saw this i saw one of them in a bit of the 90s cartoon and it just didn't do much for me like it felt weird which was odd because i liked the monsters yeah um but then it wasn't until like truly my freshman year of college my first like that first friend group you find that like becomes your family kind of throughout college you know we were all you know freshmen drinking in our dorm room and someone had Netflix DVD'd the first one because <laughs> she was just like, I remember loving this as a kid. Let's put it on. And I fell in love with it. The next you know, week or whatever, we got the second one, fell in love with it. I then went back and watched all the Adam stuff I could and decided, nope, I think I just like these two movies, basically, you know, as opposed to like the 60s show or whatever. Um, and then really fell hard into uh, the source material of of Charles Adams. And yeah. um, I've got I've, I was just looking through a book here before we started rolling, but I've got a huge collection of like the original Adam's stuff. I, his biography is wonderful. Um, I've got behind me here this this little sketch of Morticia Adams, which is an original Charles Adams thing. I, I, like I just kind of fell really, really hard into it. Um, and it just I, I I think I just kind of felt um, a bit of a found family thing <laughs> when I first saw these movies and and got into the kind of whole um, oeuvre of it. So like yeah. this 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 reminds me of of um kind of like that first discovery of it and it is just kept with me every like it was just one of those things where i'm like how did i miss this this movie is a hundred percent made for me i don't know why this didn't click when i was like eight or nine but it, it certainly did when i was 18 you know yeah yeah no i i know what you mean uh, weirdly it largely passed me i didn't see the first one in the cinema like i say this one passed me by until i think my brother bought it on video mm. Um, I, I know we definitely own this one on video, but we didn't own the first one. We just watched the first one whenever it came up on telly. And how old would you have been there? Uh, 93, I would have been 13, 14. Okay. So about eight, the following year, it would have come out on DVD. So, yeah. So you've got a sense of humor so, already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember liking the TV series. Like I say, they started re-showing it on the BBC. Because I liked that, and I used to like the monsters as well. I think arguably mm-hmm. I possibly preferred the monsters. As did I. I think honestly, it was a better show. Yeah. Um, but I did like the Adams Family TV series as well. I just, yeah, I don't know why. I think I clicked more with the monsters. Same. Um, although I've got no interest in seeing the monsters. <laughs> no, there's something more 
as a kid more quantifiable about the monsters where you're just like she's a vampire he's a frankenstein he's a you know he's a werewolf yeah. that type of thing that is and the the ambiguity is broader humor as well it. i think yes the monsters yeah. for a child as well but um absolutely but like the the ambiguity of what the atoms is are um i think is kind of just was less appealing to me as a kid where i'm just like so they're just weird like what is this but like now as an adult i'm like oh no this is much more interesting you know yeah yeah no definitely it's um i think i mean it's something i was going to come to later but i think now is a good time i think this is i know they're not necessarily accurate in look certainly gomez to charles adams original comics mm. um i'd argue it's he's closer to the tv series uh john astin wasn't it mm-hmm. um i'd argue he's closer to that than the comics but i would argue do you think this is the definitive screen adams family absolutely i mean and there's a, now let me be honest too i've seen adams family reunion it's not good um and then i haven't really um taken a dive into the um the animated ones that have come out recently the the illumination like, ones Oscar Isaac and... yeah i i got five minutes into the first one and i'm just like this is not for me i've seen the um, first one i remember it being all right yeah um it's not as good as this um i've not seen the second one because everybody says the second one's terrible and it's just no, that thing okay. they do in sequels where they take them on holiday for no good reason right um um but oh absolutely like this is this the the casting of this yes gomez does not uh, look like the charles adams of it um that said i like raul julia is undeniable in these movies That's it. you know you can, like, you can get raul so... julia for your gomez you get raul julia for your gomez don't you? <laughs> exactly angelica houston is perfection the rest of them like Christina Ricci is the find of a century, obviously. Yeah. You know, like the, the, there's no there's no fighting it. And we can get into kind of like clearly Sonnenfeld had great love for Charles Adams and and the original, you know, quote unquote source material. Like they're cartoons, you know, like they're they're, they're fun, easy um little not easy jokes, but like they're they're just quick little bits of humor, but they are done with such artistry, and that is so fucking respected in these these movies, the second one especially, that it's it's undeniable. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I've I've had a passing interest in the comic strips. I'm very tempted by that Art of Charles Adams book you held up. So, so. Bit yeah, like the Men great. in Black one where I ended up having to go out and buy that book. You have. <laughs> <laughs> they're great. I mean, he he was publishing collections of his work back in the 40s and 50s like long yeah. before you know the the fat family we can get into this like the the family only got um kind of solidified and got named and backstories and whatnot for the tv show in the 60s before then it was just these characters that kept popping up you know like they weren't morticia and fester or whatever yeah. till later um but because of that he has such license in in all of his work to kind of go against it or you'll see like morticia like figures from time to time and then after like maybe 10 years of drawing her she starts showing up with a gomez you know like and that family unit starts kind of coalescing it's 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 very interesting how it all just kind of happenstance came together just out of this guy's imagination you know yeah no it's um it's yeah, uh, it's something I do need to do a proper deep dive into. And sometimes, like one of those things, it sort of flits in and out. 
it was mm-hmm. because you mentioned this. I went back to the film. Otherwise, it would have just been whenever I catch it on telly. It's um, yeah, no, that's fair. It's it's one of those films. I, I it's one of those films that I really enjoy it every time I watch it. But it's rarely one that I'm like, oh, I'm going to act- actively seek that out. Mm. It's either I'm channel hopping and it's on. It's like, oh, I love this film. <laughs> this this movie was like my favorite song for years. Like yeah. this was this was kind of. Er, I say this one. I I'm gonna be honest. I refer to both of them. Yeah, as like one thing. You know, like that they are. There's no drip dip in quality either direction. So like, um. But I would I would have these on constantly. I still, just like the last podcast, I'll drive to the Men in Black theme song and I will drive to like the tango music from this movie. You know, like it's all the, it's so good. The dance scene version of um the Adams Family theme. Yes, but also bringing in classic. Yeah, like, it's it's all. I love um, that use of the music. I love the way they redo use the theme throughout for mm-hmm. different bits. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's fun. It's so funny too because I was looking back at some of the behind the scenes for this movie, and they all talk about like the the Charles Adams cartoons, and like there are there are direct bits from all these movies that don't even have to do with the family yeah. from those cartoons. Um, in this one specifically, I was trying to find it before we start going, but. Um, when Debbie is going and purchasing her her plane ticket or whatever out of town, they're like, "Will you be traveling with someone?" No, I'll be a widow. Yeah. Like that, I'm pretty sure that's a, a Charles Adams cartoon. You know, like the little bits like that throughout. Um, but in all the behind the scenes footage, they're like, "Oh yeah, we really like we were all about the cartoon, not about the '60s." And I'm like, the the '60s show's influence here though yeah. is undeniable. You know, like that thing is a hand. Um, the the Gomez and Mar- Gomez getting so horny for hearing Morticia speak French, Morticia cutting off the roses and you know all that stuff. Like that, that's all directly from the '60s show. So it's just it's a cool mix of of all these disparate elements that really had no plan and and were brought together here for the first time in a in a very effective way. Yeah, well, I mean, that makes sense as well, because I'd argue the TV show was more famous than the comic strips. So oh, totally. It, it, it yeah. makes At sense that point, yeah. to sort of remake that as well as adapt the car- the uh, comic strips. But um, I think this one's tighter than the first one. I li- Again, I liked the first one. For years, whenever something went wrong, I'd shout, damn you, Adams. <laughs> <laughs> that was my quote from the first one. I just love yep. that throwaway gag. <laughs> but... Um, I think, yeah, everything's tighter on this one. The script's tighter. I mean, I was writing down so many notes of bits that were making me laugh. I was like, I'm just going to have to do general things. I'm pretty much writing the script at this point. In that first beat, before the title even comes up, you've got Fester howling at the moon. You've got burying a live cat. Yeah. Uh, you've got uh, Gomez and Thing arm wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Morticia enjoying her labour pains. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, it's 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 pretty. I also like that, like this one, especially after after anyone doesn't know, I'd assume anyone listening to this knows. But in the first one, you know, it's the question of whether Fester is Fester and yeah. whatnot. And just starting with Fester, like on the roof, howling at the moon, just feels like to me, like don't worry, he's here. Yeah. It's like that's dealt with, you know. <laughs> but because I mean, you got the three subplots, so you've got. The kids at camp, which is genius. Mm-hmm. So that's how you do taking an Adams family out of their comfort zone. You don't take the whole family out. You just um, you've got obviously the Fester Debbie's 
marriage slash she's trying Which to kill I him. I guess is the A plot. Yeah. And then you've got obviously got the pubert stuff. Pubert. <laughs> None of like it, the, there's a there's a lightness to the stories um that these movies tell that that thematically are lovely and mean a lot about family and and acceptance and belonging and whatnot but really like are are so kind of kind of easy and i yeah. i say that in a, in a respectful way and like they make it look easy and and they've chosen the right things to focus on you know like this is not a very plotty movie um but all the same you were engaged throughout like that's kind of a magic trick yeah that's it i mean again it's three ideas that potentially could have stood as their own movies but they've smartly mm-hmm. put it all into this and or it's three episodes of the tv series isn't it sort of <laughs> no you're right i never thought about that but it could very well be like you know raul and angelica didn't really want to do the movies so they dropped the kids off at camp and pick them up at the end you know yeah. like but thankfully it is not that it's I mean, again, this is pretty much Raul Julia's last film, wasn't it? I know Street Fighter came out after he died. Yeah, I don't I think know. There what was he one other last. that came out in between, but I think this was one of the last ones. I read an inter- I remember reading an interview with Angelica Houston where she said that you know he was getting weaker and weaker mm. and thinner and thinner as it was going on. I remember when Raul Julia died. I remember being really upset because I loved him as for this. I, only, only knew him as Gomez. Yeah. Okay. Um, Street Fighter largely passed me by. By the time that film came out, I, thought, I don't give a shit about this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've never. It's seen like you got me like two years honest. out on that one, but um, <laughs> it, it's one I've watched since and been like, this is a piece of shit, but I actually really quite enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that was like classically. He or famously, he did that just for his kids, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I think it was one of those his kids wouldn't speak to him if he didn't do it, kind of thing. Yeah, um, I think uh, arguably by that point he was possibly just doing it for the money as well to. A a tragic a tragic you know event and uh, and loss of a of a great artist. Uh, I but wonder you if they would have. Oh, so absolutely! Good in this film. No moment. And 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 Gomez is such a fun character because there's there's a there's a cartoonish bipolarness to him, yeah. right? Where it's just like he is a man of extreme emotions, and most of the time it's extreme happiness, and then. And then the turn, you know, and we we do see him in both movies. He's brought to the point where like he's kind of lost the will to live, which I think is is the only true death knell of an Adams, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, even I, in, I love in him those scenes, he manages to swing be low. funny. <laughs> yes, it's it's awesome. And in the first one too, when you know he's just become like a, a couch potato loser dad or whatever. They're like, yeah. let's go out and miss Gilligan, you know, like that's fucking <laughs> wonderful. Um. But yeah, you d- you don't see a, a moment of of whatever he was dealing with in his performance, which is impressive. Um, I wonder if we would have gotten the third had yeah, we that not was going to be something him. I was going to come to later. But yeah, I do wonder if it would have been a proper. Obviously, Adam's Family reunion is like a loose sequel, isn't it? Yeah, it's completely but... recast, and it was meant to reboot as a TV series, wasn't it? Right, and, and I think um, the only people that stay around are Lurch and um, and the thing and the yeah. actor that plays. The Which they got um, Lurch spot on, to be fair. So you would nail him. Oh, he's perfect. And why not? You know that sh- actor should absolutely, yeah, take that paycheck. Go for it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's impressive. I was watching this movie thinking like there's very little 
sequelitis in this. Yeah. You know, like that thing where, where sequels just kind of do the same joke over and over again. Like the Austin, if you think of the Austin Powers series, like it's that, you know, <laughs> like, but here, like the only thing I can kind of point to is like, they start off at the, after the credits with like thing doing something. I was trying not to say thing at all, but, um, but like a little showcase scene of thing. And the first one, it's just like, it's literally just the reveal that like, he's, he's a hand instead of the hand in the box from the TV show. And here is, he's got like a rollerblade thing, but like, otherwise there's no kind of direct repeat of a, of a joke that I can think of here, which is, which is awesome. Which just shows how kind of fertile these characters are. If you're funny and know how to, how to write a joke for them. Yeah it's um yeah and it's it's very cartoonly done like you know the kids trying to kill puba is very mm-hmm. roadrunner-esque yeah 100 percent. and how they're foiled but uh um i think woe to the republic <laughs> i love that <laughs> what are you children playing playing i love how he opens the window to see if it's raining and he just catches puba as they've chucked him off the roof very, very good stuff. I demand justice. Someone has married my brother. No. She took him to Hawaii. Get out of here. They have moved into a large, expensive home where they make love constantly. I hate when that happens. Arrest her at once without delay. Who? Debbie, my brother's wife, the temptress of Waikiki. Who are you? What are you? Who moved the rock? Officer, you must issue a subpoena. I believe they own... Gomez, no. A Buick! Just leave. Leave quietly. Leave now. Don't make me call Ringling Brothers. Has the planet gone mad? My brother, passion's hostage. I seek justice. Denied. I shall not submit. I shall conquer. I shall rise. My name is Gomez Adams, and I have seen evil. I have seen horror. I have seen the unholy maggots which feast in the dark recesses of the human soul. There it can. I have seen all this, officer. But until today, I had never seen you hook'em buck'em cook'em now obviously you mentioned Raul Julia so you have to mention how good Angelica Houston is as Morticia she's she's so good and I think people I think people misinterpret what Morticia really is and and I think Angelica Houston does a great job of it. And um, I don't know. Did you see Wednesday? Did you watch the Wednesday series? Uh, I've not yet because my eldest wants to watch it with us as well. So it's just oh, cute. out time when whenever he wants to, we want to watch it. He wants to be with doing something with his friends. And cool. whenever, whenever he wants to watch it, we're in the middle of something else. So it's, it's that weird thing of three people in the same house trying to <laughs> sync up their figure schedules. Out, <laughs> figure out eight hours to <laughs> devote to something. Yeah, I understand. Um. It's it's very good, and um, I think what I was going to say is I think Catherine Zeta understands um, kind of the the joy of this character too. Where like I think a lot of people think of her as like um, a mistress of the night, like must be must be dark and silent, and you know, like that kind of vampy type thing. Where it's like she's actually a very 
happy and content mother most of the time. Yeah. She just like goes that macabre way, and you can make the monstery jokes with her. You know, like she she still you know wants to have it all and find time to seek out the dark forces and join their hell of crusades or whatever. But like she's she's very pleasant about it. You know, like I th- I think kind of people lose that and just kind of go full goth with her. Whereas yeah. really, that's that's more Wednesday than anybody else. Yeah, that's it. It's um, I love how they light Morticia as well. I love how they light across her eyes. Oh, the vampire lighting is so cool in this. Because they they had to light her separately, didn't they, to get that? But it's mm-hmm. but and just... you see her in some scenes, like literally have to walk into her yeah. light and then stay there. Like the fact, obviously, she's got a huge wig on. She's taped into everything with how low cut that dress is where like she can't move. She's in she's in that those dresses that give her the the figure of the Adams cartoons. But it means she's in a mermaid dress. It yeah. means she's like literally like moving her feet ever so slightly in her legs to, to move. So like she's very constrained, I'm sure, like physically as she's doing these performances and just making it look effortless. Like she's just this light airy gothic thing in the yeah. scene it's it's really impressive she's i've i mean all those weirdos that keep bloody holding joker and harley quinn up as like their ide idealized relationship like yes fucking monsters it's like gomez and matisha that should be your you know kooky out there like loving relationship to idealize and hold up a hundred percent psychopath who's constantly beating up his uh apparent lover <laughs> yes there is um, that that and that I think comes really directly from a Charles Adams is kind of like bio, but but from the development of the 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 sixties show where it's just yeah. like they are the most loving and in love and sexy parents, you know, in in a in a kid show. I wonder honestly if like as a kid that was a little weird to me too, where like you know when you're six or nine and like kind of sex stuff is like is interesting but it also makes you uncomfortable to watch with your with your parents or whatever you know yeah um and i, I wonder if, like this movie starts with the you know the joke where the kids are in the waiting room while is giving that. birth and that the little cute girl little girl scout the... type yeah it's like Our and then the baby, the baby told too. the stork and an angel <laughs> kissed my nose and blah blah and now we have a baby like our parents have a baby too they had sex you know like this is <laughs> It's it's a it's a kids it's a family movie for adults in yeah, like in yeah very much the I, the real sense of that. I, I have a Nikki sex question related to this film, um, so I'm going to address it now. So please, brace yourself. does Thing do sex stuff to Fester? Because it's heavily implied. Very possible. <laughs> I lo- I love that joke. Um, yeah, Again, why not? Never noticed it as a kid. It was only sort of when you're older and you watch it, you're like. And he's like, you know, like something more, maybe two legs. <laughs> but is is thing doing sex stuff to Fester? I think uh, you know, thing is is happy to lend a helping hand. I mean, wherever, I mean, wherever needed, it, it, it's fine. It's cool. I'm not judging. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think we really can. Considered. I think we can read into that. Absolutely, it's some someone has to be. Because there's that, and then when he finds the centerfold, the centerfold of Ma, <laughs> <laughs> the best. Like this is a weirdly sexy movie, you know, and and like sexual movie. 
I, I don't think it really crossed the line for kids, but like, you know, um, the, the honeymoon stuff with him where it's just like the minute they, they don't even, they're really PG about it. Yeah. And, and you don't see, you know, you're over the shoulder looking at Fester and you don't see Joan Cusack undo her bra, but clearly he looks down and that's what's happening. And he gets that like almost smilex Joker <laughs> grin on his face as he faints and the sax comes in, you know, it's just like, it's sexy as hell. I am going to, what I am going to judge him on though, is no giggling and no hand puppets during sex. These people the monsters. <laughs> Such a good life. But yeah, I mean like, and and we're we're laughing about it, but the fact that that story, the main story of this movie, is basically like don't get pussy whipped and forget the people that love you and accept yeah. you, is really cute. Like that's a light little story, and and obviously they bring it to extremes because of what this family is and whatnot. But well, it's ultimately, a, it's really nice. It's a good way of like you know exploring the relationship between Gomez and Morticia and the effect it would have on. Because, you know, I love Fester's um, thing. Poor but, lonely you know, Fester. You know, he's seen him through keyholes and in doorways. And, <laughs> and, you know, he's always been happy for him, but he's also a little bit jealous. He's never had the attention. Women must follow you everywhere. Store, store detectives. detectives. <laughs> I, love, I love the... Um, the uh, you'll meet someone, someone very special. Someone who doesn't press charges. Someone who doesn't press the charges. The he's reading as well is... Uh, Oh yeah, right, what is it? Strange men and the women who and the women who avoid them. Who avoided them? <laughs> There's the lovely, lots of lovely little jokes out there. Um, America's is most disgusted the... unsolved crimes is a great one as well. Great Peter Graves one. is amazing. Pe- in that. Peter Graves kind of connects to the all these the women have one thing Men in Black America. universe too. <laughs> which, if you want to, if you want a headcanon that that the Adams Family movies and the Men in Black movies are in the same universe, I'm like, there's there's an argument yeah. to be made here. Why not? I'm, um, is I'm this dead. the movie too where someone is like, oh, "What a lady qu- killer!" Acquitted. Yes. Yeah. Ah, what... awesome, awesome joke. You've got that. Um, you've got when Joan Cusack asks Morticia, "Where do you find these Adams men?" And she says, "It has to be damp." It has to be damp. <laughs> They're excited. I mean, like, I I don't know how how do you want to talk about this? Do we go like? I guess we've been going by family member. Like, when do we talk yeah. about Debbie? You, yeah, sorry. I mean, we sort of as as things come up, it's sort of yeah. I try and naturally follow things on, but I'm also the whole thing of this is it's basically like two people in who've just seen a film talking about it afterwards. So it's a lot of yes, well, fair enough. I just yeah, I I, um, I, I want to make sure we're not yeah. Debbie, I'm yeah. not Joan Cusack is stuff. amazing in this. Unstop. Like again, the reason I think. Um, this is probably just like sneaks in above the first one. It's that it's the it's the production design honing a little more. It's Ken Adams on this one as well, isn't it? Um, is it? I believe so. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Oh my god, I thought it was Bo Welsh. That's incredible. Oh my god, you're right. It's Ken Adam. Wow. Because I think this is well, the only comic book movie he ever did. I guess so. <laughs> Which, I mean, weird I to call it that, it. but yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, the production design is flawless, and the fact that because Christina Ricci is a little bit older here, yeah. you you can rest. And nothing against Pugsley, but he was the actor was not a you know 
professional actor in, in that same way. But you can rest an entire plot line on little, you know, what, 12 year old Christina Ricci's shoulders yeah, here. You, you and you are she went on in to be. capable hands. Yeah. You can see where she went on to do more. Obviously, she's not, mm-hmm. never became a massive star, but she's stayed around. Oh, but she, I mean, yeah, yeah I, I guess not. You're, I, I don't know. I guess it depends in, in, the, in the sense definition of, there. Yeah, she never became an A-list leading lady kind of. Yeah, actress. I guess so. But again, nothing against her. She's amazing in Which this is, film. Which is, frankly, Hollywood's fault, yeah. not hers. Yeah. Well, had she been a boy, let's be honest, she quite possibly would have gone on to lead in man status. But cause she's a fantastic... The bit where she's trying to smile. <laughs> oh, that's... It, all of it. The Like, how... Like it's not a child actor performance, and you kind of forget that. Yeah, because she's so damn good, and and frankly, is the reason we get a show like Wednesday is the reason that there is interest in that character because once, twice, I guess it was done fucking perfectly. Yeah, and and we're talking, we're recording this a few days after Lisa Loring's death, the original Wednesday. Yes, yeah. Um, who I I don't let's take nothing against her but wasn't was very young during that 60s show and wednesday was 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 cuter and more the you know wednesday's child full of woe was was not the kind of like you know goth icon that yeah. she is in these movies oh, you know yeah. christina ritchie made it her own and yeah, exactly like you say set the template for everything that's come since pretty much mm-hmm. i am um, she's just her comic delivery I mean, obviously, it's all that deadpan delivery, but it is perfect. The, uh, the bit at the end with Festa with the presence, like, what was I thinking? I could have missed out on this. She was like, physical pleasure. Physical pleasure. Just the way she delivers that. Yeah. Wednesday's at the special age where she's only got one thing on her mind. Boys, Please? homicide. <laughs> uh, like, we could do this for the entire time. I know. Her, her speech is Pocahontas, too. It's just so Our ad-lib in this Pocahontas. <laughs> Because that that camp oh. is racist, isn't it? I mean, they're... oh, uh, that's the that again, like that. <laughs> that's amazing too. Where it's like sneakily, this is an incredibly woke movie. They are they are all very like they know the privilege that they have, but they're still super accepting and whatever and you know whatnot. Like I I've seen people kind of give an argument of like. Um, you you shouldn't like that scene so much because it's just a privileged white girl, you know, telling another privileged white girl that she's privileged. I'm like, yes, but like it's 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 also an outcast taking back some yeah. power there to you know like that that's that's kind of the message of what it is. Wednesday would be the first one to tell you that she's a privileged little yeah. asshole, you know, but but it it's about putting the 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 waspy jackasses at that camp in their place and it's yeah. it's so worth it well, yeah it's i mean the fact that all the favorite kids are all blonde hair blue eyed mm-hmm. and <laughs> and christine baranski who is perfection in this movie can't be bothered to figure out how to say the black kids name yeah. you know like, is it jamal jamal <laughs> whatever you know like, fuck you <laughs> she's great and um Ah, oh, bollocks! What's his name? Ghostbusters Two guy, Peter um, Michael. Yes, he's nicely great. done. He's great as well. You know when you got a name and it's there in your head, and then you go to say, "You, it, like, I, I, <laughs> I have the IMDb up, and you got there faster." <laughs> like that's impressive. But um, 
it, it'll, it'll always be Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, the, the two of them are great in this. Are they brother and sister? Are they married? I have no idea. Is it a is it an Osmond thing? You know, like I, I, I was really going to say, it's, it's, it's quite possibly both. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's better that we. I mean, there's so many great cameos in this film as well. You have got Cynthia Nixon as the uh, Cynthia Nixon, David Hyde Pierce delivers David Hyde Pierce, Yeah, um, fucking incredible. Nathan, Nathan Lane as the desk. He's fantastic in that one scene as well. Yeah, so, Nathan Lane, who was we, who was a huge. Adams fan, yeah. which is why he's here and why he's in, uh, why he originated the musical too. Yeah, which I can see him as Gomez, different, but I can see him as Gomez. It's a shame yeah. the musical Just, doesn't work. It's... Yeah, don't seek it out. There's a wonderful quote where um, Elaine Stritch went to see the show and went backstage afterwards and like famously told Nathan Lane, "I don't know what they're paying you for this, but it's not enough." <laughs> He is the actor that would elevate anything, isn't he? He Yes. Um, But yeah, I love him in that scene. I love his reaction to Gomez being like, my brother has been married by a beautiful woman. She's taken him to Hawaii. They live in a big house. No. No. Who is this? What are you? Who moved the rock? (laughs) Gomez is outburst in the police station. It's superb. We also get, again, some Men in Black crossover. We've got Tony Shalhoub here. Yeah. He'll always be to make, but... Yep, fair. We've got Barry Sonnenfeld <laughs> yeah. himself, um, and so I'm, I'm I'm by mistake wearing a t-shirt for the show, but we have Birds of Prey's Alfred Ian Abercrombie as um, Debbie's butler or chauffeur in one scene too. Yes, we do. Which let it let him never be forgotten. It's, yeah, is he the guy who's carrying driving the hearse that picks him up at um, the airport? He, he picks him up the yeah. yeah. But yeah. but but yeah. where's the body? Right here, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but he's alive. Yeah. Oh, I loved Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey, it's quick slight tangent, but that was a show that just anytime you want. good, they fucking cancelled it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like I, they're like, I, these I first love episodes it. is not really finding its footing. I really got into it and then it ended because I had to buy the they showed it on sci-fi here and I missed the last couple, so I had to buy the Blu-ray, uh, the DVD oh, okay. when it came the out. DVD. And I've watched it many times. I do love that series. Oh, sir, <laughs> if you would like the the uh, bootleg with the original music for that final fight and and the theme song, please let me know. I'm I'm happy to send you that file because I never saw that on TV. I've only got that as a. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Uh... I've, I've never seen it, so yeah, I might have to take you up on any... that. And no one listening should know what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> but the the short lived Batman spinoff slash maybe they were going to try to crossover with smallville um birds of prey series ended originally with a a fight scene uh scored by tatu's all the things she said which was a very hot song for anyone that was alive in 2012 or 2002 um but then they they lost the rights before it went to dvd but i let me send you that because it's just like it's a different vibe you know (laughs) anyway but yeah, no, it's Morticia's it got vampire light and it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of awesome songs, the turkey song in the play. Oh, eat me. <laughs> I love the look on the parents' faces when they're coming. Um whoever plays sorry, were you a Buffy fan? Yes, I was about to say Mercedes McCab. Yes, Cab Mercedes McCab Harmony. Um, Harmony. From Buffy and Angel. The, the I was looking at play... her and I was like, I know she grew up to become somebody, didn't she? 
And I was like, I know it, I know it, I know it, I know it, I know it. And then it, it she did something and it dropped. And I was like, oh, it's fucking Harmony. It's Harmony. <laughs> She's the the little Girl Scout in the first one too that yes, tries to, yeah. you know, exchange cookies for lemonade or whatever they made with real Girl Scouts. Um, <laughs> but her parents are played by. I don't know the actors' names, but it's Chandler's boss from Friends yeah. and Frasier's um, agent from Frasier, yeah. and they're awesome throughout that whole scene of just like reacting to it, especially Pugsley coming out and saying "Eat me." Have you? Do you know the I soundtrack? Love the way that, Sorry, uh, I love the way they react to when they're on the plane and Pubert comes up to the window yes. and then drops down again. It's just where they just slide. <laughs> they the just thing. close the visor. <laughs> so good. Um, have you listened to the soundtrack of this movie at all? Um, I don't think I have, to be honest. There, there was. I don't think it's in the movie, um, but there, there's a whole little song for Camp Chippewa that was um, written and recorded on that too. And it's it's the themes you hear when they first drop yeah. them off, but then there's a whole like you know, uh, Chippewa princess, Chippewa brave, stocks and bonds are what we crave. You know, like a whole you know, um, sushi and oysters we eat them raw. Sunday brunch at Chippewa. You know, it, all about just like how privileged these little kids are. <laughs> it's really who needs canoes when we've got yachts. It's worth your time. It's very cute. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to see. I love Gomez soaking in the camp air. Yes, and offering <laughs> Pugsley his first cigar. Pug charming. What's a Chippewa? It's an old Indian word. It means orphan. Fresh air. The scent of pine. Wednesday. Look at all the other children. Their freckles, their bright little eyes, their eager, friendly smiles. Hi, I'm Amanda Buckman. Why are you dressed like that? Like what? Like you're going to a funeral. Why are you dressed like somebody died? Wait. Hi, Don Buckman. Isn't this place something else? Very exclusive. Really? Oh yeah, kid has to be extra special to get in here. Gifted. Exceptional. Our Amanda's already skipped two grades. How about your boy? Probation. We just love Chippewa. Amanda couldn't wait. It's all she talked about. She's got a whole new wardrobe. And this little lady? Oh, Wednesday's at that very special age when a girl has only one thing on her mind. Boys. Homicide. Sort of briefly on summer camp. Is that something you ever did? Because we don't get it in this country. Because obviously our summers are only six weeks, whereas yours are like three years or whatever. Yeah, no. Seemingly, as, if American films are to be, <laughs> to the surprise of no one, um, the the guy who spends his time podcasting as an adult was not really an outdoor kid. Yeah, because um, no, I, <laughs> I would look at it and I'm like, I mean, it looks fun in movies, but also, no, that's far too much outdoors. What, what the fuck? Yeah, it seems like uh, this no, weird thing that American parents are like, oh, we got them off for the summer, ship them off to sure, camp. I'm sure they'll love it for a few weeks. Yeah. Um, no, I know friends that that went to them, um, but uh, in my area it was like day camp, which was basically like kind of school hours, you know, yeah. like eight to eight to maybe one or two, and then um, you know your your mom or your, your grandmother or something picked you up, and yeah. that was that. No, I never did a sleepaway camp 
type thing. No, I, I had to ask. Cause like I say, it's one of those things that as a kid, you're sort of like, oh, that looks amazing. Then you kind of like, but then the outdoor shit. But then, yeah, like I I would have loved to have shot like and, a know, bow and arrow as a kid. You know, like that sounds fun. The, the fitting in with different kids again. Yeah, I don't know. I would have had to be in the movie cabin, you know. I'm I'm sociable in a podcasting in person. Exactly. It's a bit more awkward. <laughs> but, um, no, like yeah, say, no, we're super cool. I don't know what you're talking about. It's one of those things that's just alien to us over here because we don't really. I mean, there are camps, but we don't have summer camps like that that are just set up specifically like, for that purpose. Right, and and are your kids Native American the themed, yeah. and yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have that? In, in, no, okay. no, not. Not really. I mean, it's probably for the best. <laughs> Say those those weird little things that we only pick up on from movies, kind of. Yeah, no, I learned about Sleepaway Camp from um, the Lindsay Lohan Parent Trap movie, you know, yeah. <laughs> or whatever episodes of you know Hey Arnold or whatever that that had it. It's it's that um, and American Christmas movies. They always seem to have Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve. Oh, see, I thought that was a British thing. Oh, uh, right. No, no, we have it Christmas Day. Interesting. <laughs> We well, like the people, like my family, just had Christmas dinner for like three nights in a row, basically. And it's right. just like, yeah, Christmas Eve was a big fucking deal, and then Christmas Day is a big fucking deal, and then the day after you do stuff with family, which winds up being a big fucking deal. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a child of divorce, you. Can see so I why I Christmas might be. <laughs> oh yeah, so there you go. <laughs> but yeah, um... as I talk about the most joyous time of the year with with uh you know sigh in my voice you can see why i might identify with the adams uh, yeah again i i'm very much an adams kid i think yes not not so much the murder but do, do as you... i sit as i sit across from my my full-size skeleton here too which is <laughs> unfortunately plastic just because real ones are too expensive yeah and they have a history <laughs> yeah um i love the relationship between Wednesday and Joel. Oh, the cutest. So that's... I, I love when she finds out that, you know, he's got so many allergies that the wrong detergent could kill him, and that's when she moves closer to it. <laughs> she inches towards him. There's a few points in this movie where, like, quote-unquote, a normie kind of, like, says something that that excites an Adams. And at first, it's Debbie um, playing, knowing who she's playing at that point as a, as a con artist, you know? And being like, oh, I could, I could just, you know, eat them alive. And and both Gomez and Tisha are like, oh, you know, <laughs> she, she sounds wonderful. And that little moment is perfect. Th- their, their relationship here is very believable. It is the thing kind of that the that the musical does wrong, which which just to kind of curse the darkness here. Um, in that Wednesday is fallen for like a total normal guy. And is trying to get her family to like hide their oddities in order to get through a dinner with his family. And it's just like, no, fuck that. She would find something in an outcast, in a weirdo, you know, that that she responds to. And that that's what's done so well here. And the fact that at the end, you know, he's kind of in this little Gomez cosplay with the with the mustache and whatnot. And she's not super into it, but but clearly, like he's kind of found a family with them too, because you know, Dad Barry Sonnenfeld is is not really his speed, you know. Yeah, see, it does raise the question because obviously she uh, carries him at the end, as in the movie carry. Which is that Debbie's hand or is that thing? I've I've always wondered. 
because obviously Wait, Deb, what was that sorry it, at the end the he's as he's laying the flat they do the end of carry don't they <gasps> as he's laying the flowers down oh i never thought that might be thing that's cute uh, it, we'd have to go back and see if it has nails because debbie was disintegrated wasn't she when she got electric yeah, apart from her enough. credit cards um but i i i have theories of you know that that grave that that um excuse me, that graveyard might be uh might be a pretty special place you know yeah well yeah there is that as well it's again you wonder where it was going to go with a third film <laughs> yeah exactly um, it, it does raise the question was wednesday just playing with joel was she inspired by debbie i love when they're all strapped in the electric chair and they're all like but what about <laughs> debbie <laughs> and when she like wish me luck they're all like good luck good luck malibu barbie <laughs> for that alone that you traced that movie than the first one the fact she got yeah. a malibu bar again <laughs> Joe Cusack is like the MVP of this film. Yeah, and, and is so I've never seen her in another role like this. But like she, she dials into the heightened um, language of them so well, and and like doesn't miss a beat with the jokes. Like she's, it's fun to see. You know, I think the best formula for an Adams movie is the normal person that breaks them apart is more yeah. monstrous than them true yeah. you know like is is more hateful and evil than than anything that they seem to be um but the fact that she's she's kind of unequal to them in in that way where like that they, they you know her evil outmatches what they can do but there there is a weird like we could have been such friends thing yeah i i just think that's that's so interesting and so much better than the than the first movie's villain and and again, she's 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 sexy. She's funny. She's she's evil. Like th- not scary, obviously in, in any in any sense. But but she's just awesome in those. That's it. Sorry, this another. Like I feel like I've got nothing cool to say because I'm just like I'm just gushing about this movie. You know? No, no, no. That's that's absolutely fine. I mean, she's great in this. This I think this is one she really gets chance to shine. She's always shined in small parts like working girl as Manly Griffith's best friend. And oh, as absolutely. John Cusack's secretary in Gross Point Blank. She's great yes. in that as well. But this is the one where she gets to show off her full comedic chops. Mm-hmm. And does um, it and- so well. Her frustration at Festa not dying. <laughs> <laughs> the way she's just sitting all chilled out in the car as the house explodes. Th- that's the best visual in this whole damn thing. And her little help help you know <laughs> or her um <laughs> the way she reacts when he's get, trying to guess what the president he goes it's a bomb she's like, what what yeah <laughs> y- you'll be back soon put him i'll be back i'll be right back as she picks, picks up, up her giant bags, bags. <laughs> 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 it's, it's just her in the bar as well with like tony schlub and all the sailors <laughs> yeah it's just letting loose waiting for the bomb to go off you know um it's great. Can I, can I, my anniversary. Can I get into into my theory about the Adamses here? And what yes. what reminded me is, you know, as she's trying to kill them all, yeah, you know, them wishing her good luck. <laughs> and it's it's a thing that I don't think should ever be quantified on screen. Let me just like say yeah. that. But just for my own hand head canon of what these people are, like in my mind, they're they're the stuff of nightmares that has survived for centuries and like, you know, normal people might interpret them as, as monsters and werewolves and and vampires or whatever, when really they were always just kind of like, whatever they are, whatever the Adamses are, you know? Um, 
and and, and in their own way they've kind of mastered death you know yeah to the point where where it's 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 a hobby to them it's quaint it's yeah. it's it's golf it's a fetish you know <laughs> like that's that's why like it it's cute to them that debbie would even try to electrocute them they all have they have a set of family you know electric chairs in the attic for a reason because they, they enjoy it you know like it, it's fun for them um so i don't know like it, it feels like they're they're a type of people that that will die only under under a lot of work and strain from the killer's part or like when they're good and fucking ready you yeah. know <laughs> and in the meantime it's just kind of fun to play with the guillotine and and i think that's i think that's so cool and and the fact that something like that is never spelled out in one of these movies means the world to me i feel like that's totally something that they would do now to kind of explain it and they explain things a little bit in the wednesday show but they never cross the line and really quantify what they are and i think that's so important to kind of mystique and fun of them yeah i think it's one of those things that if you did actually quantify it and delve into it it would ruin everything it's Plus, Absolutely, it would probably raise more questions than it would answer as well. Yep, I think like what I just, I have that in my own head because I'm like, I think it's fun to have a logic behind it, just as as people that enjoy it and and like for the filmmakers to have a logic behind it. But I never ever want to see like Adam's family origins, you know, like fuck yeah. that. Who no. cares? Because <laughs> if nothing else, they're just a family that's got a really healthy relationship with death, just yes, on a exactly. base level. Exactly. And, you know, as a kid, that's kind of comforting. Because you go two uh, 100%. ways. 100%. You go the full-on Woody Allen character of you just fear death. Or you just be these people that are just like, yeah. it's a thing that will happen at some point. Yeah, <laughs> death that's so cute, you know, like that type of deal. <laughs> it's a, it's Morticia in the first one when like Pugsley's going by with a meat cleaver and yeah. she gets an even bigger one for him to bring to her sister. <laughs> her sister. You know, like, that stuff's great. <laughs> like Pubert's... Um, Pubert. We have to talk about Pubert. Yeah, is um, oh, what they fucking call on the words got from it is mobile. It's made of knives. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. That's that. that's so cute. That's I I think from an Adams cartoon. Yeah. Um, we have to talk about the the production side of this movie too, because like, truly, like the the mural behind Wednesday's bed of the big fish and whatever, and the bed itself, like, um, Charles Adams loved drawing his characters he loved drawing them like far away from a high angle and seeing kind of the whole scene and he loved drawing interiors and architecture and 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 um uh, uh what am i trying to say wallpaper and things yeah. like that and that is mimicked so beautifully in this movie like truly the mural behind wednesday her whole room is straight out of a cartoon in this one the house mimics the house in in his drawings like directly yeah um and even some of the shot composition where like there were a few shots in this movie where sonnenfeld is like far away and high in an interior and i i think it's just to kind of get that framing of what charles adams would do and it's beautiful it's really cool yeah no it's it's a gorgeous looking film. I love Wednesday camouflaged against the wall. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And, and again, like that wallpaper that she's camouflaged against is straight out of a Wednesday Adams cartoon. You know, yeah. it's really cool. It's I mean, yeah, I mean, Ken Adams did an amazing job on this film. 
Again, yeah, I know, I'm, I, know I, said I feel terrible that, that I didn't know it was him. surprises me, but at the same time, you can see it all on the screen. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's just, another one. Sorry. I think, yeah, the money did go on the sets rather than. It, it's a film you could look <laughs> at. You could be like, you could do it for 20 million, but it would not look as good. No, it wouldn't look as lush and, and as, as dark as that, too. And I know. Sonnenfeld wanted a specific grain of film that was like slower film or whatever that yeah. that was more uh more sensitive to or like needed more light I guess is the things that he got like those those rich blacks and whatnot um it's 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 really just a gorgeous film I really just feel bad as a James Bond fan that I didn't know it was Ken Adam no to be fair I didn't it was only because I'd read it somewhere I think yeah I was reading up on Ken Adams and it popped up on something then years ago and it always stuck with me but then it wasn't until I was watching it it was like somebody special did this <laughs> I know yes. the guy who did this because again like you I assumed it was Bowell. Well. did he do the but, first one or did he just do Men in Black Men and, in and Black, that's why he's in and my that's head? possibly why I've just God in that way it. that you just associate people as always being with Tim Burton kind of thing yeah that's always my fault some people being with because <laughs> um, again this could have been a Tim Burton. <laughs> I mean, it almost was. To the, point, to the point now that he's doing Wednesday instead. Yeah, but like that's that's him finally doing an Adams thing after circling so yeah. many of these projects for so long. You know, um, there was a great because um, I, I come from the prop auction world and I watch these prop auctions. One of them uh, a couple years ago sold. It was a set of gag directors chair chairbacks of all the directors that didn't do the movie, you know, <laughs> and it was Tim Burton. It was Joe Dante. It was kind of the usual suspects of what you would have thought of for like an eighties, uh, early nineties, um, yeah, Adam's family you, movie. You, you know, Adam's family top of the list is going to be Tim Burton, isn't it? It's of course. I think, I think this film's better for it not being a Tim Burton film. I think it could have gone to Tim Burton. Absolutely. This, is, this stri- strides the level perfectly of, I think it would have looked a lot like Beetlejuice. Not that there's anything yes. wrong with that, but I think. But it would have been. It, it would like have been Tim Batman Burton's movies. Adam's family rather than. Exactly what I was going to fucking yeah, say. Sorry. Like, ex- no, no, I, I just love that we can kind of finish each other's sandwiches like that. Um, but but just like Batman 89 and Batman Returns are a Tim Burton Batman movie, this would have been that. And. and I, you know, Barry Sonnen, I'm not taking away from him, but I think no. he was really respectful and and a fan, a loving fan of the Charles Adams stuff to the point where he kind of did his best to mimic that and get that vibe. And yeah. it does a fabulous job. Yeah, also, let's talk about the fact that he, the, obviously he was an accomplished cinematographer by then, but the first one of these is his first movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's nuts. Cohen's, didn't he? It's... Yes. Um, I know, and I think that's what I mean with this one's tighter. This one feels like he'd honed everything. He, I, I in some ways, I don't know if they could have done a third one because I think he perfected everything with this one. I I kind of agree. I I, I respect that this is just like kind of a, a quick in and out franchise, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes there's no shame in being two and done. That's always yep. leaving people wanting more. <laughs> yep. Plus, I mean, the kids raging up, and obviously, real life factors came into play as well. Yes, um, I, I, yeah. But uh, also, by the time you know they might have gotten around to a, a third one, 
he was in Men in Black Land, you know, like it was, it was, who knows if they actually would have been able to make it happen. And I have, I, I don't really have interest um, if we were lucky enough for Raul Julia to, you know, survive and continue living. I don't really have interest in that cast being directed by someone that's not Barry Sonnenfeld. Like, yeah, there's, there is a New York sense of comedy here. And by that, I do mean Jewish again, <laughs> that, that is very important to yeah. to these movies that that he brings directly well let's face it when they've done things that barry sonnenfeld started and i think both times it's been f gary gray so you had the get shorty followed by be cool which just lost all that magic of the first sure. one and then sure. men in black to men in black international which i've still never seen men in black international but i've seen the trailer for men in black and international. it's still like, horseshit yep it just doesn't feel right nope it, nope it feels no, like a guy right. who's trying to copy somebody else and just missing but- it completely I, I love and I don't mean to have come on and do two berries on no, 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 in a row. I swear to God. Um we'll change it up next time. But like I love kind of the stage of his career where he's in now, where he's kind of shifted really more to television and he'll do yeah. a pushing daisies. He'll come in and direct and and more or less production design a brigadoon and and just make sure that his kind of stamp is all over it. And it's just so rewarding to watch throughout yeah. and kind of feel his influence if you're never going to get another adams barry sonnenfeld adams family with this cast it ended on a perfect high note a- um, absolutely and i suppose we haven't really talked about fester either we should quickly oh please because <laughs> when they cast christopher lloyd you're like, doc brown as fester really but it, <laughs> it's perfection i love he, how happy he... he looks with the breadsticks up his nose Yep, and, and and just all the the fact that he's like a tall, lanky guy, but he's hunching hard, and he's padded out to give that Fester, that Jackie Coogan, you know, yeah. and, and Charles Adams Fester look. Um, he is clearly, and, and it starts in the first one, but he made choices that were very deliberate and very much based on on love of the source material, and but also incredibly original. That um he's he's unstoppably funny it's it's another performance that like as a kid probably went right past me but now you watch him and it's just like he's working fucking hard in every one of these scenes you know it's it's a character as well that you could get so wrong but there is there's a lovely sweetness to him and a, absolutely you know you feel the heartbreak of his loneliness and all that sort of thing and mm-hmm. i love that he still gets a happy ending at the end with a with um, with what's nanny oh, um, uh, dementia? Mine, dementia means insanity, and yeah. fester it means to rot. <laughs> I love the little sight gags at the end. I love Raul Julia's speech, you know, to mirth, to merriment, to manslaughter. Yes, uh, I love Debbie's headstone. Is a uh, Debbie Jelinski Adams wife and psycho. <laughs> <laughs> that I love that they get married to sunrise sunset. <laughs> so funny. I love the cousin it, does it? <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, that's the thing too, where it's just like any scene in this that it, that might seem rote or whatever, they are gonna plus with the characters that they have available yeah. to them. You know, like that is so fucking funny. The thing in the Harmony Hut that freaks Joel out isn't the like twee stuff; it's the Michael Jackson poster in the back. Yeah. You know? I mean, with hindsight, sort of, you know, is there more to that gag now than? <laughs> I, I don't think I think it's 
because you know, read, like he did that a was a very was... open secret then too that he was being well, yeah because I think it was around that because he was supposed to do a song for the film wasn't he which I think went on one of his later albums yes the, the rumor at the one, time right? was that because the allegations had come out yeah that's and why they, they didn't get to use do him like <laughs> this has never been a secret kind of like the Cosby thing you yeah know? well all the Harvey Weinstein thing or any or of the Harvey there, Weinstein but... thing or any one of the number of Kevin Spacey any any asshole you'd like to mention yeah yeah. <laughs> I don't think we've got enough time in the podcast. No, 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 no. Let's talk about Birds of Prey more. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it was just one of those gags. I'm like, it, it's funny. His reaction is great, but I'm like, I don't know what the gag is. I guess you can project anything onto that gag. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think Joel, like the Adams, is are outside of. Um, uh, society's norms and can yeah. see through bullshit, you know. I do love the Harmony Hut. It's such a so fun. I love Wednesday's reaction when they're trying to escape and they all start singing Kumbaya to Kumbaya, and she's like grabbing the fence in in for safety. <laughs> so damn good. Um, uh, I like it, Joel as well. Um, David, I can never remember uh, his surname. Uh, Ten things I hate about you. <laughs> um, see, I go, I go for um, Mr. Universe. And and fucking oh, Bernard the yeah. elf. Oh, what is his name? That's it. Or you know, numbers clicked it. away from this movie's <laughs> IMDb. God damn it! Yeah, numbers. Uh, yeah, Mr. Numbers. I think. Yeah, it's, I love ten things I ever use. David Crumholtz. That's God it. Damn it! God um, damn it! He he's great in this as well. Like I say, his Wednesday's relationship. Although the end, you kind of like it's Wednesday playing him all along. Was, was she doing her Debbie? <laughs> Fine with it, but also like she's not someone who's able to show her emotions yet. You know, I, I do love with uh, you know, do you want to get married and have kids one day thing, and then he's describing the perfect guy who's like, I pity him. <laughs> <laughs> but but she is she's into him, like the fact that they meet in the science lab near yeah. a skeleton and. She's, you know, she's, my my uncle's getting married. Do you want to go with me? You know, like that. She's into him. You know, yeah. like it's it's very cute. But she she is tapped into being able to display one emotion and one emotion only, and that's that's the growth that she'll have to make as she, as she gets a little bit older. Yeah, you know, this is, I mean, or not, and then we get the Netflix series. You know, either yeah. way, it's it's a great ending. Great um, ending. Great. I, I'm, again, like, let's just talk about Pubert for a second. Yes, it's such a good, it's such a good joke. The the little mustache on him. Um, the name too comes from originally that was going to be Pugsley's name, and I think it was ABC that the Adams Family sitcom was on in the sixties. I think so. Yeah, was like absolutely not. Are you going to put that vulgarity? in our sitcom come up with another name and he came up with pugsley but i just like like again it's this movie's kind of affinity towards the our adam stuff we're like we'll take the scraps sure we'll make a character out of this it's no problem that's the best stuff sometimes though isn't it it's yeah it's um, what all the star wars movies do with all the ralph mccurry stuff we've never seen it. before you know i love they have him sleeping in a little hannibal lecter mask as well oh so cute <laughs> That either he breathes fire or he has a bow and arrow, you know, like whatever. Um, I love um, baby cousin it as he would be called, but is you know he's what? 
What? Um, yes. Although it did strike me that if this was a Disney film being made now, they'd merchandise the shit out of him. Oh, absolutely. Wouldn't you want a he'd little be, what? He'd, he'd be the baby group, baby Yoda. Yes. I still want like a posable thing, you know, yeah. like, just like a hand you can just kind of have out, you know. I have to get one of those Someone artist ones and thing. just put some flesh on it. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> not not actual flesh, obviously. I mean, well, we'll see. You, you what's available you. at the you time? You. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're telling me your skeleton's not a real one. But... <laughs> <laughs> if if it could be real, like that doesn't bother me at all. I I am I am in Charles Adams like, in that way yeah. where it's just like it's fine. <laughs> they're, they're not using it anymore. Um, uh, I love Cuba yes. being sick as well. He's just like Cuba being hair. sick and getting Mortis- the little Morticia reading cross. cat in the hat to him. And then she oh. just flicks the oh, he it. lives. <laughs> um, Hubert was played too by by two little twin girls, which obviously as you wouldn't know, but it's just so funny to see them in that like greased down hair, yeah. the little mustache. It it's it's one of the things that doesn't bother me in the movie, but like I like kind of seeing the seams where like you can see where the baby has rubbed off its like yeah. pale gray, you know, makeup on it, but who cares too, you know? Carol Kane's great as um grandmama as well obviously a replacement from the original film yes which i can't find a reason why they just didn't ask her back some said it was because it was a more physical role this time but had she not passed no she didn't die till 2015 i think shows what i fucking know i have no idea yeah some say that it's because it was a more physical role but i didn't really notice much more physicality for grandma Mm, sounds like money but yeah we'll see um yeah, neither movie really asks much of her. She's she's definitely the character I'm least interested yeah, in. It's it, it was just that it was Carol Kane. It's just... yeah. Oh, she's great. I love Carol Kane. You know. Yeah, it's worth a note. But um, yeah. Sort of quickly wrapping it up. Then I mean, we've touched on most of the shows. I love when Morticia goes to see, or they all go to try and see Festa. <laughs> she lists off everything that Deb has done, and she goes, "I can forgive all of that, but Debbie." Pastels. Pastels. <laughs> we could have been such friends. <laughs> Again, we're like, she kind of vibes with the Adamses. She's just, she is evil and they are not. Like, just they're, they're pro- kind of full stop. You could see a version of this movie where she just becomes part of the family. Right. Where she tries you to have... kill them and they still doesn't die and she just embraces being an Adam. And that and that's just kind of fun for everybody. Yeah. But but she, she goes way too far. She's she is sinister, where they are macabre, and it's two different things, you know. Like Joan Cusack's speech in that whole thing is amazing. That that the I I knew a friend Don't I deserve in, in, love? an actor friend in college that that did that as a monologue, and I'm like, what a great idea for you, you know? Like that's, that's <laughs> so funny. hurt anybody i don't enjoy hurting anybody i don't like guns or bombs or electric chairs but sometimes people just won't listen and so i have to use persuasion and slides my parents sharon and dave generous doting or were they all i ever wanted was a ballerina barbie in her pretty pink tutu my birthday I was 10. And you know what they got me? Malibu Barbie. Malibu Barbie. The nightmare. 
the nerve. That's not what I wanted. That's not who I was. I was a ballerina. Graceful, delicate. They had to go. Um, yeah, no, it's it's all it's a great movie. I think we should talk a little bit more about Mark Shaman's score in this yes. too. Yeah, um, I, I need to get this score. I um I do this now. I rewatch a film like I need to buy that score. So straight yeah. on eBay. <laughs> yeah. It's um it's awesome. In in he's obviously become more of a uh a Broadway guy and in a songwriter and and does incredible work like that, but uh I think it's so cool where like again, like we were talking, this could have been a, a Tim Burton movie. This could have been a Danny Elfman theme. Yeah. Very fucking easily. Well, again, but, you could kind of see Danny Elfman being top of the list of composers to go absolutely. to. Absolutely. And I get it. You know, like that's the kind of the obvious choice. And he did the fucking theme for the the Netflix show too. But the fact that, you know, I like kind of seeing this movie as like the B team got it. Yeah. And they knocked it out of the park, both of these movies. And that's totally what this is. We're like, um, obviously, Mark Shaman is using the the 60s theme here sparingly, but yeah. it's here. Um, you get the sting in the beginning. You get you get it worked into the tango. And then I, like Wednesday. I, say, I, I love it's using the tango. Yeah. Oh, it, it's flawless. It's... Um, and Wednesday gets the one moment where she lights the match and you hear yeah. the, you know, duh, 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 duh. Um, she gets the real like kind of theme sting during the plot. But otherwise he has these gorgeous melodies in both of these movies that have become as iconic to me as anything else to the point yeah. where like, I always want the Adams family to sound like Mark Shaman music. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's exceptional to take something that's been this kind of like ingrained in especially musically ingrained in the public to not shy away from it and then plus it that's talent you know like yeah. that's really impressive yeah it's like i say it's a, everybody's hitting out of the park in this one to the point where like you say you could have gone the obvious route and i think the film would have lacked for it mm-hmm. it would have been people doing their shtick whereas even this to is... the casting like christopher lloyd would not expect angelica no. fine raul julia fine but at the same time would Raul Julia have been the first name that popped into my no, head if I was I mean, casting Gomez? It's... Christ, the studio wanted Cher. And it's like, I yeah. get that, but and, and Cher's a wonderful actress. Like, don't get me wrong, I love Cher, but Angelica Houston's got oh, yeah. something here, man. You know, like she's she's just killer. It it was it was cast with character actors, and thank God. Yeah, because I think again, a lot like Superman, you don't need right. massive names. You don't want a name that's bigger than because you know, otherwise you end up with Paul Newman's or Robert Redford's Superman kind of thing, and it's like it's not Superman. Right. Obviously, now it's Christopher Reeve Superman, but at the time you're kind of like, who? It's right, like, no, right, no, no, right. that's just fucking Superman kind of thing. It, it always comes back to Superman with me. <laughs> that, that's that's fine. <laughs> but, you're wearing um, you're wearing the shield of L now, so you're exactly. <laughs> but um, and I think that's whenever people are like fantasy casting things like that, it's like no, 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 you want to like you know. Either no, no, an unknown or a barely known kind of yep actor. You don't want something that's going to take away from the part. And I think that's the same with this. Find the weirdo who vibes with it and vibes with the take, and and you'll be golden. That's but, that's clearly the mission here. 
I think we've like pretty much hit everything. <laughs> I hope so. Thank you so much this... for letting me do another Sonnenfeld. Like, no, no, no. I mean, if I'm lucky enough to come back, and again, we can do it at a different time of day. I'll try <laughs> to find something that's not Sonnenfeld. Well, I mean, I love Get Shorty, so we can do a trilogy. But <laughs> I gotta rewatch it. I, I don't, I don't remember Get Shorty that well. It's, it's very much a '90s movie. Mm. Um, it's great, it's just, but. I think, yeah. I mean, is there anything else? It's Rene Russo and and John Travolta. John Travolta. Right? It was it yeah, was the height okay. of that John Travolta comeback, right? Thing and Until also the... the height of everybody finding anything that could be remotely Tarantino, right? Yeah, yeah. So you had okay. all those spates of Elmore, Len- Elmore Leonard novels getting adapted. Um, so that out of sight, all that sort of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Um. But yeah, no. I think is there anything else you want to add on Adam's family values? I think we um, no. It. I think I think for for you and listeners, if people love this movie and have never done it, like dive into Charles Adams himself. The like it it will not feel you know if you if you've seen the sixty show and you've seen this, like it's two different vibes. This the these movies are very much a piece with what Adams's humor was. Um, there's a great biography on him out. There's a great book uh, that kind of summarizes everything called uh, Adam's Family and Evolution, uh, which really details like this is kind of the first time you see a proto mortician, a proto Gomez, and we didn't name him yet, but this was kind of Fester. And this is the first time they're a family unit, like really kind of lays out the track of how those characters started being seen as a family. Very interesting. Um, and th- the biography on Charles Adams is great. My favorite quote from him is he was trying. He was trying to explain the sensation um, of an orgasm to a friend at a party, to a female friend. And he's like, it's as if you sneezed and a flock of geeks flew out your ass. And that has stayed with me (laughs) ever since then. It's just like, he was a very funny, um, very talented dude who also, who decorated his apartment with suits of armors and and crossbows and human bones and uh like his his coffee table was a child's autopsy desk you know like he's just like a, a very macabre themed guy but also just a lovely human being so yeah. dive into him yeah because i know the i mean we've pretty much covered sequels and remakes and the like through throughout the conversation i know the recent animated movies went back to his designs yeah, a little bit closer. Yeah, totally. Um, and I, I know with casting Luis Guzman in Wednesday, they've gone for that more Gomez look from the comics. Yep. Um, and again, that's great casting. Not not a name oh. that would have popped into my head. It's like when they cast Oscar Isaac in the animated movies. You're like, Oscar Isaac, that's perfect. If you're going to do a live action I one. Guess. I guess. Nowadays, totally. Yeah. In in this vein, in the the let's do the matinee Again, idol, not know, a name I thought about, but and his voice is fine in it. It's just those two animated movies. Well, I've not, like I said, I've not seen the second one. The first one is fine, but it's very by the numbers. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I, I I I also I can't speak highly enough of the the Wednesday show. Check that out. It's um, it's a it's a it's kind of a CW show. You know, like yeah. it's a. It's a teen mystery show, so like don't don't expect anything beyond that. But um, there isn't a false, there's no real false step with the Adamses. They they lay out the world a little bit more. They bring magic a little bit more into the Adamses' life, which I'm not 
super I don't really need, but they don't do it in an aggressive manner where I'm like, well, now this is just Harry Potter. Now this is just stupid, yeah. You know? it, the trailer gave me sort of that Riverdale. Yeah, totally. Of Sabrina. Totally. It, Sabrina is very much where they're where they're going with it. Yeah. Um, there's a cute a few cute nods in there to the Adamses. The the one thing I will like I excuse me the one thing I will say that I like that they add is um they kind of just put a name to what this type of person is and it's just outcast it's just like capital o outcast and i'm like great like don't define it anymore they do for some of the people but not for the adamses and i i do respect the restraint on that yeah um i love the cast and they've got fester as well again his name's just gone from my head fred armison fred armison um yeah i i will say he was maybe my least he was the one i was kind of least excited for once i saw it right um but again he's just doing something different it's not again i've only seen the photos and it's not christopher reeve yeah yeah. he oh he christopher reeve christopher lloyd Lloyd, yeah no but um yeah no he looks he looks the part for sure so but i I will be getting on it i was gonna try and watch it before we talked because i thought it would come up but (laughs) kids and having their own things they want to be doing terrible (laughs) I know, <laughs> you know. No, you can't go out with your friends, sit and watch. Rude, <laughs> rude is what it is. Unless Fester comes back, we're talking dimples. Not in this house. He could stay this way for years, forever. He could become a lawyer. I won't listen. An orthodontist. The master. President. Awesome. All right, then. Well, with people, when they come on the second time, I like to ask them a second set of questions. Um, if, if if you fancy uh, having a go answer them, it's a, I call it the movie of, your life, movie of your life questions. So if you fancy having a bash, so... Oh, let, let's do it. Let's be clear, though, before we go into this. There is no reason that anyone should make a movie out of my life. But with that said, let's do it. <laughs> well... Good news anyway. Hollywood's just been <laughs> on the phone and they want to make a movie of your life. Uh, and they've given you complete creative control. But, <laughs> so they want to know the following things. Will the film of your life be a, fa- a factual film, a fiction film, or a mix of the two? I think it's got to be a mix of the two. I think. Did you ever read Paul Dini's um, Dark Knight yes. book? Now, nothing as harrowing as what happened to him ever happened to me, but I think it's got to be something like that, where like fake, we're going to have to pay out and get some, like get Batman and, and the Adams family. And, you know, like just to, like have the rights for them to be characters so let, let's say lo- uh, very loosely based on real life but heavily fictionalized awesome. uh what genre do you want it to be uh a dark comedy let's let's follow that okay the big one who's playing you i don't know i i um i think it's got this is not the compliment to myself that i mean it to be i think it's got to be a brendan fraser type a, as a kid, I got that a lot, that like I looked like him. And there's just like, there's a goofiness to him that, you know, even when he was like fucking gorgeous, he was still kind of goofy. And I think it's got to be in in that reign. I, I needed an actor that doesn't take themselves too seriously. Yeah. No, I, I get that. That's that's spot on. Sort of, I miss Brendan. I know he's kind of making a comeback. I love the Brendan is coming back. I he's love. Great. I love it. We still haven't had the whale out over here. I think it comes out next week. But all this I, I have. I haven't seen it. I've heard mixed things. Yeah, it's. What, I don't know if I'm going to rush to the cinema to watch it. But I do want to see it. 
And like I say, I yeah. just I just love that everybody's been like, yeah, Brendan Fraser's back because that yeah. dude had shit happen to him. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'm I'm happy to have him back. I hope he gets to do other things. I've just heard that, like, yeah, he's great, but it's kind of a terrible movie. Yeah. So he, we'll see. He's one I always thought would have been a great Superman. Oh, back in the day? Yeah. Totally. He is such a fucking movie star in The Mummies, too. Like, again, it, this is not a compliment to myself, believe me. But, like, he's just got some physicality in those movies that is just, like, you don't learn how to do that. You just like know how to do that when yeah. a camera rolls, you know, some people. And that's that's what he was, man. That's it. That's great. All right, then. Who's playing your love interest? And this can either be based on your real life partner or one uh-uh. made up for the film, because I don't want to put the pressure on you of casting your, your wife in a film. Even <laughs> if my wife was not Asian, I would still say I want Kristen Kruick. If you have an option to have Kristen Kruick as your love interest, like she was my first real, real crush. So at what whatever move, year this movie's being made, whatever age she's at, I want Kristen Kruick. Yep. All right, then who's directing the film? Uh, Barry Sonnenfeld. <laughs> or or Gore Verbinski, if if he's not available. But yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's a good show. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, let's be real. <laughs> All right. Who's doing the score and or soundtrack? And by soundtrack, I mean like a Prince Batman album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of concept album. Um, I didn't really have a good answer for this. I wrote down Mark Shaman just because I couldn't yeah, think nope. anybody else. Um, I think it fits though. I think it works. Um, I do think because I'm a bland white guy from the suburbs, there should be a few choice cuts in there from Ben Folds, uh, whom I love, but I don't think like his music necessarily, you know, like reflects my personality. It's just like that feels right. Um uh plus there there will have to be some like big fantasy sequence where the character based on me like belts a sondheim musical out in the car so we're gonna have to pay up for that as well right. they'll be at a pretty eclectic soundtrack but that's right hollywood's paying it's fine yeah, 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 no yeah you've got complete creative control so i'm like yeah guessing that we can afford a cut from you. from into the work company or whatever like let's do that's that it. yeah We'll just be going to him and be like, look, look, he wants a song I'm song. It's like, fine, there's some fucking fine. money. If it's <laughs> if it's format, I guess so. Yeah. It, his story about, you know, born of privilege and achieved mediocrity. Left. Yes, let's <laughs> let's throw more money at this. All right. And finally, what's the title of the film? Uh Man Boy Returns the Musical, I think. Love it. Love it. <laughs> awesome. There you right. go. So, I mean, quickly sort of do, you know, what's going on with you. So obviously, sadly, Lois and Clark, the new podcast of Superman has ended, despite me yes. trying to claim that there was a fifth series that we only had to do for, but everybody sends yeah, like me I'm and so Robert sorry. I, I You never sent me the the files. on. I, I didn't get to see it. So Damn it. If if you ever come through with that, I'll, I'll jump right on it. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Just yes, but Rob O'Connor doing his Perry White. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, uh, it turns out Zach Moore uh, needed a team to to fix the future timeline. So yeah. um, uh, my my co captain and and friend Trish Annis and I are now hosting DC's Legends of Tomorrow, or excuse me, let oh now hosting always hold on to DC's Legends of Tomorrow, where um. A, because it's a time travel show at the end of every episode, we're rolling dice to figure out which episode we cover next. So like after Such the pilot, idea. we jump to the sixth season. 
uh, we're going to jump to the second season after that. We then jump back to the sixth season and then and so on and so forth. So um, it's it's been really fun. I love that show so much. It 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 gets me in the way that that the movies I've covered here get me where it's just yeah. like there is a certain sensibility here that is so fucking funny, but also creative and poignant. And and that's that's what that show is for me. So anyone that's I, I will say if you're not a DC fan, if you're not somewhat initiated with the Arrowverse, I think it's just going to sound like garbage. You know, it's just like just like nonsense. But if you you have some DC love, obviously you're listening to Stewart here. Like, it, I, you might be able to to jump on board and enjoy it because it's just a it's just a fun wacky show that we're talking about. Yeah, no, I need to go back and finish the last three seasons. I think it was because I dropped off. I finished Arrow and I finished Supergirl. Mm-hmm. For my sins, Supergirl was a chore in the last season. <laughs> um, but I dropped off the Flash because the Flash just got really samey. And then I think I just dropped Legends of Tomorrow at the same time. I think I let so many build up on the planet that I couldn't be bothered to watch them. You're um, in for a treat. Um, so, yeah, but they're all available through Sky in this country. So I've mm-hmm. just been working back through them and filling, catching up so that yep. I can it... listen and understand what you're talking about. <laughs> and if it's anything like the uh, the Netflix deal in the States, like they're going to be on there for a couple of years now. So we're, yeah. we're all in good shape. Yeah. Well, yeah, we don't have HBO Max over here because I think it all goes to Sky. So I think they'll keep them on there for as long as there's an interest in. As long as people are watching them, I guess they'll keep them on there. But yeah, the CW cut a big deal with with Netflix back in the day. Yeah. So like, I, I think it's from the series finale, they then have them for another five years. So awesome. a lot of those shows are are sticking around for a while, which is great. Till Warner's decides to delete them as a tax write-off. <laughs> but it is. It is such an enjoyable show. Um, and like I said, I love the idea for the podcast. And it feels like the natural progression from Lois and Clark. Yeah, well, thank you. It's a, I, I hope people find... I'm at that stage right now as we're recording where we've only released a few episodes. And I'm like, oh, shit, right. We had to build a whole audience again. Okay, yeah. here we go. You know, so like... That's the trouble, isn't it? It's... Seeing our followers being so low right now, it's like um, Zach more of always hold on to smallville is producing us we're a spinoff basically and uh you know i'm like don't don't let me know what the numbers are yet you know like it's 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 a bit of a chore like tell me tell me next year it's like say it's one of those things it takes a little while for audiences to build or yeah you know you get a cord possibly as well there's people who want to catch up on the show before they totally dive into the podcast it's and frankly, like I never had a big audience on Lois and Clark. It was always just like a couple hundred people, and, yeah. and I was so thankful for them. But like, you know, I'm not I'm not talking in the thousands here. So I'm just like, well, let's just go nice again, and steady. I think, and I think unless you've got a celebrity name, I don't think many podcasts hit into the thousands anymore. Unless they've been around oh, that, so long that that's true. But also, that's like that so goes to my thing of like, then you better enjoy what you're doing. And I yeah. I. I, I'll, I'll speak for Trisha here, my co-host. We absolutely do. Like we're having a fucking blast with every one of these recordings. Recordings. As, as long as recordings. you enjoy it, I've always viewed it as like it's a good excuse to talk to people, and then I'll put the recording out. And if there's a people out there that dig what we're doing, that's awesome. And even that's if awesome. it's just a small core group of like thirty people every episode or whatever, or even for an episode, I'd rather have a core group of people who love it and a big number of people that are kind of. Yeah, listen to it. You're reminding me of uh, one of my favorite little indie musicals called Title of the Show, and they have a song called Nine People's Favorite Thing. 
And the whole thing is I'd rather be nine people's favorite thing than a hundred people's ninth favorite thing. Not that, not that my podcast should be anyone's favorite thing, but like that, that type of mentality I think is, is why, why we do this in the first place. Right. That's it. You you always want to play to that one person that's really going to take it on board. And right. That, that like us just dies for that new episode of something and, and, and really like enjoys it on their, you know, while they're at work or like the rest of, you know, just grocery shopping or whatever the hell. That's it, man. Just gets you through the day, or yeah. Make, think make, think how many people as podcasters street. we've helped get through dishes. You know, yeah. <laughs> you, you are a monster, though. You did make me cry when I was out on the street with your finale with, of Lois and Clark. Fina- oh, that's sweet. But... It was just such a weird thing. I was talking to somebody else about it. It's like we've just been on that journey all that time together. Yeah. Again, it's that weird thing you don't really think about when the podcast sort of ends. But yeah, it was a beautiful ending as well. Oh, thank you very much. I, uh, but, I mean, I, I was crying editing the thing. I felt yeah. so stupid sitting here and my wife's walking back and forth, just like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing. It's, it's all good. What are you listening to? And you, you don't want to say yourself, you know? Like, <laughs> It's just this really haunting story. It's yeah, it's said something beautiful on a podcast. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> but it is, and like I say, it's it's not like you're gone because you know we got the Legends of Tomorrow one now, and it's can't fucking get rid of me. Yeah. No, I mean, as long as you love doing it, man, you just got to keep yeah. doing it. You, same, same to you, man. You know, like it, it's I, I love your show too, and and thank you. It's again, it's that same energy of like. You're you have a very, I I, you've probably heard it in this podcast even like I have a like need to perform and be on like thing and and you have such a chill, um very welcoming vibe on all of your episodes that it is it is so, um soothing comforting whatever yeah. one of those words you want to use and 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 I I love it and just like please keep doing what you're doing. And having overexcited me on every once in a while to to talk about a movie, I don't usually. No, get to talk about. I I love talking to people that are passionate. That's why I specifically picked films that people love, even if you know, as much fun as it is to rag on stuff. <laughs> I'd, I'd much rather there's enough negativity in the world. Right. I mean, we, we occasionally do things, and if there's it's like um, I did an episode yesterday, day before with um Rob on Power Rangers the movie. Oh, cool. Which oh, is a film God. I'd not seen until I watched it for this, and it's you have never seen it when you were no, young. No, of no, because you wouldn't have. Power Rangers passed me by. Um, right again, like Street Fighter, I was just two years too old for it. Um, but yeah, I just—it's a film. <laughs> it's definitely a cinematic curio. I um, I can't wait for that episode. First of all, because I haven't seen that movie since I was whatever five six years old um i did on your recommendation though is it beyond the fourth wall atop the fourth wall atop the fourth wall yeah the history of power listen rangers. to some of their power rangers i didn't get through all 30 videos i'm gonna be honest <laughs> with you but like i i went because they're long as shit too yeah but i loved that so thank you for that recommendation no no it's, it's cool like say I, I watched them so i could keep up with my child eldest child who was massively into power rangers yeah, i yeah. love the mythology of power rangers it's great the world building it, it, it's, it's kind of like star wars like, too where it's just like when you lay it all out just in chat it's great and then but, but sometimes when you watch it it's really stupid and again because he's got a passion for it it comes across and that's that's what i like i like people who are passionate for things i can listen to people talk about 
yep. things they're passionate about. And brag about on, creative things. on the dumb things, you know, when, when he needs to, but it's it's all out of love and blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, if you, you've got to pick on the stuff that doesn't work as well. Yeah. <laughs> as, yeah. as long as you're not a dick about it. <laughs> but, I mean, same with you with Lois and Clark. There's a lot in that. Yeah, oh, yeah. So I've got to address this because it's fucking ridiculous. Again, <laughs> there's some stupid shit in that show. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot of time where Terry Hatcher is phoning it in. Yeah. There's, there's and, about 60% of it that's that's wonderful. 40% with the four, that's With powerful. the fourth series, yeah. you can see why, though, because she's very much sidelined by that point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She gets right, moments I mean. to shine occasionally, which feels a little bit like, you know, got to keep Terry happy this week. But um, no, yeah, it becomes a Superman show to the detriment of her. Yeah, uh, towards the end there. Yeah, you feel Dean getting a little bit more creative control, I think. And yeah, it's really weird. I don't understand why, honestly. But 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 yeah, but no, I mean, it's still fun. It's just still fun. Say, still fun. I've, I've always been a season one and two guy mostly, but it, it's fun to listen to people talk about the later series, especially when they <laughs> love the episodes. <laughs> But, hey, there's there's some gems in there, man. There, oh, there, there really is, are. Yeah. That's it. That's like, even the worst series have something in it. That, yeah, a tiny little nugget. But I will put all the links in the show notes for everything for all yes. we will do. And, and, I'll and put, please, I'll for keep yourself, the dark ones in there as well because the feed's staying up. So yeah, yeah, please. Um, and for yourself, check out Wednesday and check out Schmigadoon. I will. Are you a musical fan at all? Uh, it depends on the musical. Okay. It's like Singing it's in the very... Rain is one of my all-time favorite films. But... Oh, it's an exceptional movie. Um, there's there's some uh... musicals where you're like, it it doesn't feel like a musical. You know what I mean, it feels natural. And there's some musicals mm. where it's like you're just singing because you've got to hit that musical quote kind of thing. This, is, this has to happen now. Yeah. yeah. The the La La Land effect. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, may, maybe it won't quite jive with you, but it's definitely it's definitely a Barry Sonnenfeld production. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll give it a look because again, I love Pushing Daisies. Yeah, yeah, it's in that vibe. And Pushing Daisies did a wonderful musical number with Birdhouse in Your Soul. So. Birdhouse in Your Soul, yeah. And uh, Hopelessly Devoted to You. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's another series with a great soundtrack. Yeah. But, anyway, thank you very much. Dude. No, thank you very much. Not at all. Me. Thank you for coming on. And um, yeah, anytime you want to do another Sonnenfeld or even a non Sonnenfeld, <laughs> <laughs> I'll branch out next time. I promise. <laughs> awesome. Cheers. For that, um, if, you, if you'd like to uh, join us on the Wave Rider a day too. Please yes. Yeah, that'd be let amazing. Me know what yeah. what uh, favorites you are, and when the dice come up, we'll, we'll make it happen. So yeah, I mean, series one to four is where I've seen so far. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and, cool. Anything in there, I can always rewatch and refresh the memory anyway. So, um, and I'm a Ray guy as well. So any Ray centric episodes. I, I might have just thought of one for you, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Actually, let me know actually, two. So we, we we've got options. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Cool. Well, we shall sort that out after I stop the recording then. But yeah, we shall do our fake goodbyes here. So, <laughs> Cheers for coming on, man. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, man. We'll see you next yeah. time. Bye. Bye. Your family is really interesting. Your parents are so involved with each other. Wednesday, do you think like maybe someday you might want to get married and have kids? No. But what if you met just the right man who worshipped and adored you, who'd do anything for you, who'd be your devoted slave? Then what would you do? I'd pity him. Poor Debbie. 
She was sick. She wasn't sick. She was sloppy. What do you mean? If I wanted to kill my husband, I'd do it. And I wouldn't get caught. How? I'd scare him to death. No, you wouldn't. We're all very sorry, Debbie. We wish you only the best. Adam Sandy values, and why not? I'd like to thank Matt for joining me on the episode to talk about the film. Although it's now come to an end, you can still listen to the complete series of Lois and Clark's new podcast of Superman, and check out Matt's new podcast, Always On To DC's Legends of Tomorrow, wherever you get your podcasts, or by checking the links in the show notes. At the time of recording, Adam Sandy values is available in the UK on DVD and Blu-ray, or to stream on Paramount+. Plus. It's also available to rent digitally from Prime Video and YouTube. We didn't get any comments on this film on the socials this time, but if you'd like to let us know your thoughts on the film, you can get involved in the conversation wherever you see this episode posted on our social media channels. So if you aren't already, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram, or why not join the Am Why Not group over on Facebook. Not only will we be kept up to date with what episodes are coming up, and have the chance to contribute to them, but we also post our picks of three great movies to check out each week on Freeview TV. If you fancy joining us, just search And Why Not Pod on the social medias or check out the links in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode and be bothered to do so, please give the episode a share and tell your friends about it. And why not give the series a follow or subscribe over on Acast or wherever you listen to the episodes. If you're feeling super generous, we'd be grateful of a rating if you have a second or two to spare. Or don't, we're just grateful that you spent the time listening to us at all. If you missed any And Why Not episodes so far, you can find them on our podcast channel over on Acast, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, or on our website at hauntednerds.com. In the meantime, we're back on Tuesday the 18th of April, where I'll be joined by Ross Beamish as we discuss the 1997 David Fincher thriller, The Game. But until then, this has been a Nerds of Haunted Themselves production, and I've been Stuart Moraine. Thanks for listening, and remember, we're all trying to have it all, but don't forget to make more time to seek out the dark forces and join their hellish crusade. Bye for now. Isn't he a lady killer? Acquitted.